everyone. Welcome to the Psychology of Dating podcast. You're listening to Nadine Newkirk and I'm a clinical psychologist and dating coach. In this podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about unhelpful thinking styles, which comes from CBT, Cognitive Behaviour Therapy. Before we get into that, I'd like to invite all the listeners or any friends or, you know, someone that you know to write to me about a certain topic or question that you'd be interested in hearing a podcast episode on. One of my friends had the idea of doing a two-part episode on rejection, how to be rejected and how to do the rejecting. And that was wonderful episodes that came out of that from her great idea. And they've been really listened to if you want to go and check those ones out. So if you have any ideas of, you know, something that you've been curious about or you've been wanting to hear on this podcast, then feel free to write to me. I'll put a link to my website and where you can write queries in the episode show notes. And yeah, I really look forward to reading what kind of challenges or unique issues um, everyone is facing. So unhelpful thinking styles that comes from CBT therapy. This is 10 different thinking traps that our brain can get into, and they're common for every human. They're written in black and white on this sheet of paper, and I'll send a link in the episode show notes. And it's really helpful to be aware of these automatic thinking traps that our brain can do, because they are there to try and protect us and to help us process information in the world very quickly, make snap judgments. But they can also get us into unhelpful loops and ways of thinking that might be biased, might not be really based in fact, and can actually be creating more emotional distress and more behaviors in dating that are problematic. Like it might make us avoid things or overfocus on something that isn't actually that important in dates. And yeah, we don't often, sometimes we don't even need to change our thinking, but just being aware that it's there can help us have a little bit of perspective and shift. And sometimes you can actively try and have a bit of flexibility in the thinking. So not, I just need to think positive, but more, how can I have a balanced view of this? If I'm only seeing in one corner, what does the other corner look like or what is in between? So I'll go through each of the 10 thinking styles with some examples. And I encourage you as I do this to just think about if there's any times in your life in dating or even otherwise, if you've noticed these come up. The first one is all or nothing thinking or black and white thinking. An example of this would be if I don't have the 100% perfect body, then there's no point going on dates because no one will like me. It's really going to the extreme and saying if it's, it has to be all the way like this and if there's any variation or any in-betweens, then that's not good enough and then we feel like a failure. For example, when I was going on some dates in the past, I was trying to practice assertiveness skills. So speaking up about something, even if it felt a bit uncomfortable, um, you know, or saying if I'm uncomfortable about something, I have a different opinion. And in my head, it was like, I have to be completely calm and feel like, you know, really fine with saying everything it has to come out straight away in the moment, the second I think it, 
and it can't come out like awkward at all and the other person has to completely accept what I say and have the, you know, really calm response as well. And that was seen as like the perfect assertiveness scenario. And my psychologist at the time, yes, psychologists have psychologists, (laughs) um, pointed out that that is really all or nothing thinking. That is not leaving any variation or room for, you know, practice and learning. Sometimes we think of something that we want to say assertively, but maybe we don't do it in the moment. Maybe we do it five minutes, five hours later. Maybe it comes about a little bit awkward, but we still spoke up. And also someone else's reaction, we can't control that. So we want to look at more have I spoken up rather than how is the other person responding. So that's a situation where you might want to think a little bit flexibly and not go to the extreme, to look into the grey area. Another thinking trap is overgeneralization. So this is words that really kind of sweep over everything and lump everything into one category. Words like everything, always, nothing, never. So for example, no one will ever accept me or no one will ever have the same type of interests as me. Everyone in dating is taken. And that's just not true. (laughs) If we count the billions of people on the planet, there's going to be some people who are single and want to go on dates. That it is not everyone. That there is variations in people's hobbies and interests. And we might find some people who don't have the same interests. That's true. But it's not every single person. So we want to catch ourselves if we're doing those overgeneralizing statements. And for example, with everything, we could use the word sometimes. Same with always. Or if you could say no one, you could say some people. So really see if you can find a way which moderates it and counts that some people do, some people don't. The next one is mental filter. So this is where we're taking information from the world, but our brain only (laughs) remembers or focuses on certain types of evidence and kind of discounts the rest of it. And... This could be, for example, you know, practicing assertiveness skills. If I was going around and sit looking at all the times where I missed speaking up or, you know, I spoke up and it was really, really awkward, just didn't make sense. And I'm discounting any times where I did say something, you know, or even if it was a small part or maybe in a situation I didn't say everything, but I said a little bit of what I wanted to say. And if we're using a mental filter, it just reinforces our beliefs. See, I'm, you know, I'm always going to be a pushover. I'm never going to be able to speak up and doesn't account for all the other types of information in the world. The next one, disqualifying the positive. So this can also be linked to mental filter where you might be going on some dates And just noticing, I'll see, you know, lots of people don't want to go on a second date with me. But disqualifying that there was some people that did, but maybe you weren't interested. And disqualifying the fact that I, you know, got far enough where I was messaging people and got on the dates. 
So the lens is really just looking at the negative side of things, which makes sense. Our brains do that to protect us. It's safer if we remember that there's spiders around the corner rather than that there was a beautiful flower. But we really want to catch our mind when it's just going to these extreme places because that does create more stress for us. The next one, jumping to conclusions. Our brains love this one. Well, mine certainly does. So there's two types of jumping to conclusions. The first one is mind reading. Imagining we know what others are thinking. And if your brain is ever walked into a room and assumed, you know, this person has looked me up and down and they're thinking my clothes look silly or they're focusing on the pimple on my face, you're just assuming what's going on in their head. And we need to realize that anytime our brains have thoughts about what others are thinking, that is always a thought that our brain come up with, not that we're mind readers and can know exactly what's going on for someone else. And there have been times where I was 100% certain that this pimple on my face was so obvious and then later I've actually checked the facts and asked a friend and they said, I really, I had no idea. And even if they did, our brain might be going to extreme cases, like thinking that they're like, oh, so disgusting, I don't want to be around her, how can she go out like that, when really maybe their brain just said, oh, pimple, and that was it, that was a one-second thought. The next jumping to conclusions is fortune-telling. Our brains love to think that they know what's happening in the future. And if this were the case, we would all be millionaires. We'd all be able to you know, buy real estate in somewhere where it's going to boom. We'd all be able to you know, never have stress because we'd know exactly what's going on. And that's not the case. That we can make guesses or assumptions based on past experiences or what's happening in the now, but they're always guesses. We can't predict the future. We don't have a crystal ball. And this can happen a lot with dating if there's been situations in the past where dates haven't progressed further than someone has liked, then they assume, okay, the next person is going to be exactly the same. But the past dates do not have anything to do with your future dates. Yes, there could be some skills you could look at from your side of things, your 50%, but each new person is different and they come with a different expectations, qualities, all these different things. So we can't predict what's going to happen with them. The next one is magnification. So this could be either catastrophizing or minimization. So catastrophizing is where we're really blowing something out of proportion. So this can happen, for example, if we have sent a text message to someone or maybe (laughs) if anyone had this, you're stalking someone on social media like Instagram or Facebook, and then you accidentally like the photo and you've gone way, way, way back (laughs) into like 2006. And then the brain catastrophizes like, oh my God, now I've ruined everything. No one's ever going to like me. You know, I was so embarrassed. And it really kind of says it's going to break everything. If it did, then that was definitely not the right person because um, it was actually, you know, we want someone who can laugh at something like that. And also 
often our brain can really be imaginative and predict the worst, worst cases when they don't actually happen. Or minimizing something. Maybe you haven't actually been on a date in several months or six months and you were brave enough to organize one, get out there. Maybe it wasn't what you expected, but your brain is not showing that pride for, wow, I took that brave step, something that I was avoiding and anxious about, I did it. The brain was minimizing that, saying, yeah, well, see, it didn't work out, so it doesn't matter anyway. The next one is emotional reasoning. So this is where we assume, because I feel a certain way, that it must mean that that's a fact, that's truth. If I'm really, really frightened around a dog, then I assume there's a threat. It's going to attack me or bite me. When really, maybe it's just about to jump up and kind of lick, lick me, <laughs> wag its tail, be really excited. Or maybe we're emotional reasoning with uncomfortable feelings in dating, like I'm feeling really lonely or unlovable, and assume because I feel that, must mean that I am and must mean that no one in you know the dating world could ever love me. And that doesn't mean that there's not your sister around the corner who loves you dearly. doesn't mean that maybe someone you meet six months, a year's time, isn't going to love your quirks and everything about you. So just because we feel something doesn't mean that it's true. Sometimes our emotions can be really helpful to guide us in the world – and sometimes they can come up based on past experiences and not so related to the present or might be linked to some biased thinking, which might not be so helpful. Okay, the third last one is using critical or pressure words with ourselves, including should and must. Right? I should always look and say things so humorously and perfectly on every single date. The word should puts so much pressure and it says that we have to be perfect all the time and there's no room to be human and it really sets the bar too high that we can never reach it and so we always feel like failures. Or I should have known that it wouldn't work out. I shouldn't have started dating this person in the first place. That's unfair because, again, we can't predict the future. You can only know in dating through walking the path. That's how we learn. So if we can change the should to could, that can straight away ease some of that kind of critical um, connotations behind the sentence. So I could try and practice noticing some red flags earlier, not I should have known everything from the beginning. The second last one is assigning labels to ourselves or other people. Snap judgments, which really put on stereotypes. They don't leave any room for, you know, learning and evolving over time or the in-betweens. So we might just say, I'm ugly, I'm a loser, I'm unlovable. These slap judgments and labels and they're never helpful for us. And the last one is personalization. So this is blaming yourself or taking over responsibility for something when you don't actually have all that much control in that situation or that amount of control. 
If I go back to the example of me practicing assertiveness skills, if I over-personalize and say this is all my fault that someone's stressed now because I've brought up that, um, you know, either we don't get to see each other enough in dating or I'm uncomfortable with something that they said and then they get, you know, a bit anxious or avoid or withdraw and I say it's all my fault. Well, that's really not fair because, one, we can only control our 50% as humans. Some actions we do might trigger things in someone else. And, you know, I could maybe look at the language I use if I was saying, you know, you've done this, this is all your fault and not taking ownership for my own emotions. That's something I could look at. But we also need to recognize that the way someone reacts is related to their whole past history their colleagues, friends, family interactions over a lifetime, their automatic interpretations of a situation, their vulnerability factors. So that's things that they bring in. It might make them more vulnerable to emotions, like if they're feeling really sick that day or haven't slept or have been really busy with work and then they don't have as much emotional capacity when you have a conversation. So those are all things out of our control. We can't control another person. So we don't want to over-personalize and blame ourselves for their reactions. Okay, everyone. So I really encourage you to look at the link and go over those unhelpful thinking styles. See if you can catch any coming up in your dating experiences. The first step is noticing. And maybe you can see if you can just shift or get a little bit of flexibility in the thinking. Okay, I hope you have a lovely day or night wherever you are and I'll speak with you all next time.